Team, Francisco here from the Journey Endurance Club and welcome to one more episode of the podcast. As amateur runners, we are constantly receiving information about the new running shoes, the top of the range watch, a ultralight backpack and the latest news on nutrition. On the other hand, we think that to overcome a challenge, the strategy is go hard or go home. This is clearly not the case of one of the most successful ultra runners. From having the record of for the southbound fastest known time in the Appalachian Trail to being the athlete with most number of wins in 100 mile races, our guests Carl Meltzer, the speed goat, counts already with more than 20 years of experience and today, with 54 years old, continues to show up and give his best. No focus on the numbers, no data, just a Casio watch and many hours spent in the mountains. This is a secret sauce of someone who has a listen to your body mindset, who takes a very simple and for many old school approach to life and to sports, but that in the end, that's what makes Carl one of the legendary ultra runners. On this conversation, we talk about how Carl trains, his race nutrition, how he deals with these athletes, and how can runners prepare physically and mentally to do a ultra distance race. Team, if you're looking for inspiration to start running ultra running races, Carl is with no doubt your go-to person. Let's jump right into the third episode of the podcast, hoping that in the end you feel inspired to put your shoes on, go out knowing that we got your back. So now team, sit, relax, and may the journey begin. Yep. Let's do it. Okay, so um, first of all, Carl Meltzer, welcome to the Journey Endurance Club, to the Journey Talk number three. Uh, you are still in a podium, which is a place where you are very <laughs> nice. used to be. Uh, it's really an honor to count with such a legendary ultra runner and I got to know also a very golf savvy athlete yeah. so the, just like I said the yin and yang athlete um, just like I said welcome to the Journey Endurance Club it's uh, it's really an honor to have you as uh, our guests we normally start of course uh, first things first for those of you who don't know Carl which is I believe a little bit impossible but one of the one of the things that I really uh, find interesting about you is that, uh, and, and that's very positive. You are not, at least, um, I, I was. I've been following you for the last two years at least, and you are not that that like uh, dynamic in social media. So okay. you are you have your own space. Sometimes you you share. Of course, if we search something on YouTube. We see lots of him, lots of amazing videos, but yeah. for those of you who don't know the speed goat, and let's let's try just to go a little bit beyond of like Carl Meltzer. Tell us a little bit about you. Something curious. We know that you love to play golf, but tell us uh, something more, something curious about who is yeah. Carl Meltzer. Well, I mean, besides the social media thing, I think everyone sort of has their own. Uh their own space and what they kind of like, you know, and like as a professional athlete that I've been for a long time, 
you know, there's always that, uh, you know, you need to be on social media, you need to have a following, you need to have followers, <laughs> you need to follow people, all that kind of stuff. And I just kind of do my own thing, but I think that's part of who I am. Um, I mean, I've learned most of the things I've done in life, I've learned the hard way, <laughs> which hasn't always been the, you know, the best way to learn something. But that's something that I just kind of like to take on projects by myself and and learn from doing them as opposed to reading, you know, multiple books on training and and just other people's opinions about things. I'm just I'm a very simple I try I'm a very simple person. Uh-huh. I think that's why I've been kind of successful because I don't get too much into the numbers and the data. I mean I still use a Casio watch, it tells time. Wow. You know, you know, I don't need I don't need the distance, the, the vertical gains, the heart rate, the you know, whatever. Um, I'm just a very simple person and I'm, I have a lot of passion for things that I really enjoy doing. Like you mentioned golf and golf. I've been playing golf as long as I've been running since I've been out of eight or 10 years old. And if I was not a professional runner, I much rather would have been a professional golfer, <laughs> not because so, they make it a lot more money, <laughs> but because it's just, uh, it's just something I really like to do. There's nothing better than seeing a white ball fly where you want it to hit it, you know? Yeah, so, so you I'm, would I'm just be... a very simple person. Um, I love, and, you know, I love that. I try, to, I try not to take things for granted. You know, uh, I've been very fortunate over my life. I've I've often said that things fall into my lap, and I just kind of roll with them. And I know sort of when to press the button of when to say, "Okay, this is a good idea to move forward on it or not." And again, I've been very lucky by making the right decisions, whether you mm-hmm. flip a coin or not. Um, was whether it's moving to Utah, becoming an ultra runner, not moving back home, the Appalachian Trail, a lot of little things that I've done. Yeah. I've been. I've sort of fallen um, in my lap and you so, know, I, I take the chances and, and go with it. Tell me like, do you think that's, I wouldn't say, or I wouldn't call uh, old school approach, but a very mm-hmm. modest, simple approach that you have not only to life, but also to sports because like you have more than 20 years of experience. And you just say that you don't, you don't care about data, Uh, you use a, Cas- a Casio. You don't care about yeah. you don't care about art rates, uh, which is something that we see more and more content information on that. Would you say mm-hmm. that simple, modest approach is the secret sauce for your success? I I think it's secret sauce for my success. The old school is definitely a, a good good term to use. I think so. I am very old school. Um, You know, without using the heart rate monitor, the a lot of the data that people collect. Now, number one, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of science proven behind it. So don't get me wrong here. When I talk about heart rate, you know, when someone says you should be in zone two, three, four, whatever for certain workouts, I'm like, I know when I'm in zone four or five, I can't breathe. <laughs> right? I know when I'm in zone one, everything feels easy. So I mean, I'm sort of at the same time. Um, I'm really, I'm really good listener to my body on how I train. So I sort of know. You know, without looking at the actual numbers that come up on the, the phone or the, the watch or whatever, um, I sort of can feel them in my body and I know when to push, when to not. And I think that's a gift that, um, I mean, I kind of think I have a little bit of a gift there, you know, and it's mm. not bragging about it, it's not mm. at all. It's just that everybody has their thing and their way of doing things. And I've been able to capitalize on, on my methods. Um, okay. done very well and I try to teach other people those methods which is not easy because everyone's so driven driven to the data right yes um, it, it's a challenge as, as a coach to teach that to others but you know over time you learn and they learn too and it's, uh, but as a coach 
uh, as a coach, you you also have uh, that approach to to your to your athletes, like because the, it's not normal. It's not normal to have that listen to your body mindset because right right you can't just tell someone to do that and it doesn't just happen yeah yeah like yeah, we, we, we we were talking about this like what we are used to listen is that go hard go fast you need to train every yeah. day uh, go as fast as possible but then uh just like you're saying we 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 have your example of that listen to your body mindset from someone who won more than 30, uh, 100 mile uh, races, 38, 39? 43, 43, 43 now. already, Jesus. I got to see, I got to update my website. I'm oh, not a yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm lazy on that. I can do it, I'm just lazy. Um, It's 43 at the moment, yeah. Okay, 43. Uh, and do, do you, like, are you still uh, focused on uh, competitions, professional races? Or um, you are like more, you are slowing down a little bit right now. Absolutely slowing down a little uh -huh. bit. There's no question about that. You can't okay. deny that fact. Okay. Um, but I still like to, I still like to compete, you know, I've over my career. So I've been running um, ultras since 1996 and I ran my first 196. So we'll say I've been running hundreds for 25 years. Um, I definitely don't seek out the UTMB, the hard rock, the Western States, the Uh, you know, the biggest ones in Europe anymore, like I may have used to in the past, which was, which was at the time was pretty much UTMB. Um, right now, because I've run so many, I've run about 7,500 milers, you know, not all different ones, of course, you know, I've run hard rock a bunch, Wasatch, but I like to see got new courses that I really haven't done at this point. And whether, I mean, you know, I, I tried to go to a race where I feel I'll be competitive. I'm not mm -hmm. going to lie to you. You know, I'm not seeking out the strongest field in the world because I have no chance um, but I'd like to, I'd kind of like to go to a race where, where it feels like, you know, there's five or seven or eight guys that can all win and it's still, it's still a race. It doesn't have to be a world, you know, world best performance yeah. time-wise. Yeah. But, but when the race, a race is a race, you know, um, if it's close, it doesn't matter. When I play golf with my buddies and we both play terrible, but I beat them by one stroke, it's a great race, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, if you go well, it's a great race. If you beat it by 25 strokes, it's no fun. And <laughs> so the whole, you know, you see what I'm saying is yeah. that you try to go to a race that's competitive, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the biggest race of all. Yeah. Uh, let's just go back to the, to the uh, listen to your body mindset. Uh, because, well, uh, I have so many questions. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to, to learn and take some value from, from, from all your experience. So, that that approach do you also share that approach to your athletes you tell them it's not it's not all about going fast listen to your body if your body or your mind says to you like you need to stop you tell them to stop or is it is it just something that you have for you well i i mean I think when you when you try to teach a client to listen to their body a lot of times I'm always generally telling them to hold back their reins a little bit because say you have an injury or, or we'll call it an issue that's maybe, you know, it's affecting your, your, your running, you're, you're a little bit injured or something like that. Sometimes you have to step back and make sure you bring that thing back to par where you're not injured anymore, which tells them to listen to your body. It's telling you right now, don't, you know, don't go for 18 miles today, go, you know, five or six easy to kind of let yourself recover. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, my, my training is, is really based a lot around recovery too. And as I get older, it becomes harder to recover. So I'm learning, I'm still learning that process as I get older, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I definitely, when my clients have an issue, um, we do, we talk about it, discuss it, whether it's through email or a phone conversation, whatever. Um, I try to teach them to, to make the right decision. And, and like you said, many times they don't want to make that right decision. They want to go out and push and push. Yeah. And you know, the worst thing I can say is I told you so, um, you know, <laughs> you don't want to tell someone that say something like that to somebody, but sometimes that actually happens. And then sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, I've had a few clients over the last couple of weeks, you know, very recent that had an event coming up and they had an issue with whether, whether they thought they had a pulled hamstring or they thought something was wrong. And I said, well, no, let's just take this approach. You have this, you have this amazing base. Let's, you know, say they have an amazing base taking an entire full week off before a race yeah. um, is not 100% ideal, but you're not going to lose your fitness. Yeah. You, know, you have to stay mentally confident um, that you can st- you're can you still in the, in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, one week isn't going to hurt you that much. Okay. It's just it's a matter of trying to get to the start line fresh without any issues. And that's always a challenge. Um, yeah. So I try to teach the clients to, to listen to their body and figure out how to get there fresh, you know. Yeah. So I like I like that I like that normally or well sometimes when you think about the coach, the coach of course uh, makes you a training plan, but a coach is uh, is much more than that. And when I say that it's much it, it's much more than that, it's like sometimes you have you need to have someone who tells you uh, stop, uh, which is like go. You know, yeah, <laughs> and with the training plans too. I mean, I, I th- yeah, that's exactly what I do. I do the training plans, but I, I also say it's really a guide. Yeah, you know, a, a basic guide of like this. This would be optimum if you if everything goes perfectly, but it's sort of a guide of how to lead you forward. And then and then we just communicate and how we change things. I may alter the plan all the time, uh-huh. you know, okay. because of how someone's feeling. And you kind of look at patterns of how people are are training and when they're fatigued, when they're not fatigued. I mean, that's, that also comes from the, the athlete that re, who's reporting their weekly miles and, and their feelings and all that kind of stuff. Okay. That's how it basically coaches off how you are feeling. So while I'm giving information on how someone's feeling, not from the data, that's how, you know, that's just, it's coming from me. That's how I am. That's how I coach. Okay. You know, it's, what, um, what's what's your opinion on like because training for a ultra running uh, distance race is not is not easy. It's not like preparing for a five k or ten k or even a, a half marathon. So uh, two questions here. So would you say that and because ultra running is becoming more and more and more, and I think that it's going for the for the for the next years there will be uh, a boom on ultra running yeah, yeah. more people are looking to to go or uh, to challenge themselves with an ultra running distance race so my two questions are do you think that someone to prepare uh, for an ultra running race it's better to have a coach a b how can someone prepare physically and mentally for an ultra running race well i think yeah okay so do you need a coach does everyone need a coach no 
you don't you know you can go run through the mountains every day or run on the type of terrain you have in your whatever your local is um and get enough miles in and you definitely can do an ultra because ultras are very very mental you know once you reach a certain point you know it's like do you want to quit or do you want to keep going um that's where the coach can help though because someone like me who has a ton of experience of of you know working through the bad times the low times the issues the not necessarily injuries, but working through, um, I call them the demons in your head because the second you start a race, there's demons in the back to say, I don't want to do this. I want you to stop. <laughs> you know, the demons do that a lot. So the coach can help sometimes a lot with that. Um, as long as you're doing your homework in terms of getting your miles in and your workouts and stuff, all you can really do from a coach's perspective is try to give them the best um, strategy on how to run the race. I mean, there's always the great cliche, start out slow. Well, no shit. <laughs> you, you know, that's like, that's standard, but that doesn't, doesn't happen all the time, you know? Yeah. So the idea is to really kind of mentor, mentor one of the clients to, to run a real smart strategic race. So they get the most out of their body, whether it's 50 miles, hundred miles, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. the distance, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. kind of how I try to help them. And, and as far as, you know, running the training plans, again, it's like a guide, you just have to sort of um, communication is really important with clients. Some communicate a lot, some communicate a little, some don't communicate. Uh, it's really a mixed bag. Um, mm -hmm. It all kind of balances out from my perspective at the end. But the more communication I have with my clients, the better off that they usually do. And that's mm -hmm. just because they're staying in the moment. They're staying focused on on their training. You know, instead yeah. of just saying, "Okay, here's seven days this week, do these miles." And then they get back and say, oh, this week was great. And, and that's all you hear from them. You want to hear real feedback. Yeah. The more feedback you get as a coach, the better off you can help them. Yeah. Okay. And uh, taking into account your experience, not only as an athlete, but also as a coach, how can, for example, uh, I'm planning to do, let's say, a 50-mile race or a 60-mile race uh, in the end of the year. What's the starting point or what's, what's important for someone who is looking to challenge or to uh, participate in a challenge like this? How can we prepare ourselves to do an ultra running? Well, besides putting some, some miles, what's in, what, right. what is important in your opinion? Well, number one is to try to keep yourself not from getting hurt. <laughs> um, and that your coach can help that with the feel thing too. Um, you know, you have to be, like I said just a minute ago, you sort of have to be mentally into it. You can't, the coach doesn't run the miles for you, um, doesn't do the workouts for you. You sort of have to be really mentally into it or, or it's, it's going to be tougher and tougher to succeed. I mean, if you say you have a race in, let's just say October from now, and it's already almost June, so that's what's only four or five months, um, I would typically want you to run a race or two, maybe 50K distance, 30 miles, um, a couple times before that 50 miler and not as races, but as, um, call it practice race, call mm -hmm. it practice run. Mm -hmm. So you dial in a lot of the strategic points about, about it and a lot of the, the fueling and, you know, nutrition during a race. Those are the hardest parts of running ultras is the nutrition and then the mental, um, the mental fatigue that you get because you just, it's just a long ways, you know, you have to know how to balance the run out and, uh, and just run smart. Okay. And most you know, any race over, I'd call 30, even 50K, is the, the real race is the last third of the distance. So 
I, I like to say in a hundred mile, or I don't get warmed up till mile 40, but the race doesn't begin till mile 70. Now that sounds kind of crazy to, to, to the 5k, 10k runner because like warm up at mile 40. What is that? But, but it's the right, but it's the mental, it's the mental mindset that I say, well, I just kind of cruise through 40 if I can cruise, you know? Yeah. Um, just keep yourself together. Um, take care of yourself. 40 to 70 is always the hardest miles because uh, you've got a long way to go. You're already sore. Most likely you're sore to some degree and you've got a long way to go. But when you get to 70, then you can try to smell the barn at the end and then you should be able to get there. Yeah. But the real, but, but your best race will come when you run or, or at least can still jog after mile 70. Okay. Cause the majority of us will, will walk it in, you know, cause we're just tired or just overworked or whatever. Um, it's very strategic, a lot more strategic than a lot of people think. Yeah. And in addition to the, of course, to the miles that you need to put in and the nutrition that you need to, um, you, you also need to take care. Uh, for example, you personally, when you are training for a hundred mile, do you have like any other layer that you put in, in your training overall? So what I'm, what I'm trying to ask here is that, so do you do any strength training training do you do any mental uh, training or you you really keep things on the old school side shoes shorts t-shirt let's go yeah it's old school you know um yeah i bring them i'm a little more prepared like these days you know with the gels and the fueling you can buy and stuff is way better than it used to be in the 90s when i started doing it but um I mean, I get my miles in in the mountains. When it comes to strength training, I'm not opposed to strength training. But as long as you're doing strength training that isn't compromising your running. If you're doing so much strength training that, say you do a, a strength training workout in the morning and, and then maybe you run in the afternoon or something, you don't want that run to be compromised by lifting too much weight or something like that. I think to run your, run your best, you must run the most. So it's okay to maybe do a little bit out of the side. But me personally, though, I mean, I live, I live next to really big mountains. Um, and the very steep trails. I mean, that to me, that's you want strength training, run uphill. You know, um, I've I've also not recently, but in past years, I've I've done simple things like carry rocks. You know, instead of doing a specific thing at home with your weights or whatever, I'll just pick up a rock, maybe the size of a softball. Couple, it probably only weighs a couple pounds or something. Try running with that for 15, 20 minutes. You know. Oh. And then what that can do, I mean, it's it gets your arms, you know, kind of pumped and strong. When you get too tired, you just throw the rock on the ground. <laughs> uh, so it's very simple and old school, right? Um, but that's sort of – I don't do that much anymore, but I used to do that a lot when I was younger. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, but again, I don't really necessarily think a strong upper body makes you a better a better ultra runner. Yeah. Be better at I'm, – I'm very good at technical terrain, um, but that's the terrain I, I, I train on every day. Yeah. So I get to do that. Like if you want to run a super technical race and you're running around, you know, the grasslands of the golf course, um, chances are it's not going to be really your style of race. So you need to go out to train on the terrain that you're going to race on to do your best on yeah. that terrain. And that's the kind of, that's why I've always raced hard races because that's what I train on. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a terrible road marathoner, <laughs> but, <laughs> But that's okay. I don't. I don't care. You know, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, to yeah. Me. I know. Like uh, I feel. I feel the same. I feel the same. Like after many years doing like cross country, 
and especially uh, road races i mm -hmm. uh, that's enough seriously yeah that's yeah. enough i have no desire no you know don't i'm not gonna go run a 10k you can pay me ten thousand bucks i have no desire to run a 10k you know yeah. it's just it's not my style yeah 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 i i'm i feel you i feel you like before we move to to another topic i would love to hear from you on this like how do you prepare um a 50 mile or a hundred mile uh, race in terms of nutrition? Do you have help from someone? How do you make the plan for the whole race in order just to uh, make sure that you have energy from, uh, from to, mm -hmm. to go from point A to point B? Yeah, again, very, very simple person here. Um, so I my nutrition during a race consists of about five products. One of them is water. Of course, we all need water, right? Um, electrolyte capsules, which would either be salt stick or 68S caps, gels. Um, any brand will do. I kind of usually, sometimes I mix them up. I run for first endurance, and they will now have a, a single serve gel. I like the single serve gels as opposed to in a flask. So I kind of mix that up. Um, and then the only other thing I'm really concerned about, so we get to see gels, water, and electrolyte capsules. That's pretty much it. So if I run a hundred miler, I I put enough, um, we'll say single serve gels in my, whether my drop bags or, you know, strategically in the part of the course that you can put them, those go in my bags. And that's what I use the entire time. I will occasionally eat a little fruit. I'll occasionally off the table. I'll occasionally eat or drink a little bit of soup broth. Um, but with the exception of those things or soda also, Coca-Cola or any soda, Red Bull maybe. But, um, I keep it very, very simple. I do not look at a plan where I have split times written down on a, on a, on a spreadsheet where I need to be this time or that time because I'm basically running on feel just like I kind of coach, you know. Um, <clears throat> I just kind of jog, you know, at a, at a comfortable rate. And uh, I know I have enough gel on me to keep me going, and I just keep eating one of those about every 24 minutes is my formula. So I'm getting about 200 and about 250 calories per hour wow. of pretty much carbs and sugar, you know, not a real lot. I mean, that's not a ton. You know, a lot of people will say the hundred mile is just a long buffet and it's not a long buffet because if you eat too much, that's when your stomach starts to, yeah. to be chatted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really, you know, I look at my aid stations where you can have drop bags. I'll space those drop bags out about 20 miles each roughly depending on the course, of course, but about that. And I'll have four or five places where I'll pick up more gel You know, obviously, I put my light and my maybe a long, you know, clothing. I place that along the way I'm supposed to, as I supposed uh -huh, to. Uh -huh. But um, but other than that, I mean, I am very old school and simple, and don't have a, an incredible plan to, when I eat my my bar or when I eat this or that. I just uh, if you have enough gel to get you through the race, that is really all you need. Wow. Um, I, I really I really love again your your approach because again. Cool. We are not used to to listen that. Uh, right. Actually, like this Monday, we had our uh, what we call it's an internal event. What we call accountability Monday, and today's this week's topic was nutrition. And I'm getting some echo. Sorry, I saw. I was getting some echo right there. I didn't understand. Oh, you. okay, okay. So. Uh, I was saying that um, uh, so every week we have something that we call the Accountability Monday and mm -hmm. um, so it's an internal uh, community event and 
this week's topic was on uh, nutrition and it's good to have different uh, perspectives uh, like personal points uh, of view on this and I really like your very simple old school uh, not over complicated way of see things and which is which is um, cool to see that works with you so this is your personal approach to uh, to it doesn't work for everyone yeah. you know it's not gonna work for everyone if you you know I mean my general nutrition too is like I eat you know I'm not vegan I'm no I don't have a special diet I don't really focus on that I try not to eat you know processed junk food but you know every once in a while um, not gonna lie to you you know I'm a normal person um, but it's okay to have a you know a real plan too yeah it doesn't matter what what are you happy with right if, if you're if I if someone if I had a nutritionist or someone on the side that was in charge of my meals every day they made my meals they made everything if I didn't like the taste of those meals or didn't like what I was eating that nutritionist wouldn't be around probably very long yeah because yeah. I just didn't, wouldn't want that you know you have to just be happy with what you're doing with your life you know I mean nobody's perfect I mean I don't I like to drink beer you know um, not most people that know me know that and and, and a lot of ultra runners do of course there's nothing wrong with that you know you probably will run better if you don't drink a lot of beer yeah I'm not going to deny that, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just like, what, what do you want in life? I mean, we live here, we live once, right? You don't know if I'm, I'm I could be dead tomorrow and yeah. that would not be cool, but that's certainly a possibility. Yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. You want to live, you want to live your happy life yeah, as long as you true. can. And that's always been my focus since day one. Uh, it's, uh, thank you for, for, for saying that in, of course, let's hope not. Uh, right. <laughs> let's let's now move uh, a little bit into the um, story slash or plus mental side of your running journey. Mm -hmm. So one of your, I would say, famous uh, movies projects. It's the your last. Well, I, I'm not sure if it, if if it was the last uh, attempt on uh, breaking the Appalachian Trail records mm -hmm. uh, from north to south. Yep. Uh, you now hold the third fastest time, right? But the fastest time from north to south, right? Yeah, third fastest and fastest southbound. Yeah, southbound. I guess you call it southbound, yeah. whatever, yeah. And the title of that movie is Made to be Broken. And, mm -hmm. of course, we are talking about the record. But mm -hmm. are you unbroken, personally? Am I unbroken? Yeah. Um, Taking it to God, what, why I'm asking this? Because 20, year, 20 years of experience, uh, 43 100-mile races. Sorry, 43 wins on 100-mile races. Uh, are you still the, the athlete with more wins? I am, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I still have the most. I don't think anyone's catching me anytime soon. <laughs> but, uh, but no, that's. But yeah, I think that'll that record will hang for a while. I think behind me is Jeff Browning. He has twenty two. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's a really special thing. And but you know, I look at that as, you know, I have nineteen years in a row that I've won at least one, which is another kind of side sidebar record. Call it what you want. And I'm not trying to brag about this, but people, many people ask me you know, you've got to get 20 years, you've got to get 20 years of winning a race. And I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm 53, man. I'm like, I'm getting old, you know, am I broken? 
I mean, my body isn't broken yet, but I definitely have a few cracks in the out in the outer layer, um, if you want to call it that. I mean, I I don't recover as fast as I used to. I get injured a little bit more often than I used to, and I get injured on simple things. You know, like they you could be running in ten minute mile, and then something just kind of pops. You know, and then you don't know that's coming. Yeah, it just happens. I think um, I'm not broken yet. As long as I can still go out and enjoy my running, and you know, whether I'm running for first or maybe a hundredth place in the future. Um, as long as I'm enjoying it, I really, you know, it's fun. And I like, I like seeing and helping others too and see other people succeed. Like, you know, I, I still run for Hoka and you know, that's an honor to be still a professional athlete at 53. The only sport you can do that is golf. Right. <laughs> um, for the most part. And, uh, and you do both. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm a pretty good golfer, but I'm not quite good enough to be on the tour, but, um, You know, it's it's. I look at my uh, my my teammates from Jim Walmsley to Tim Tolleson, guys that are super fast. Hayden, all those guys, they're all fast. Um, they're at a different level than I am, and they're at a, they're at a better level than I ever was, even in my height in my heyday. So I'm cheering for them to break my records. I want to see someone go at the AT record and beat my record southbound. You know, if I can, I'm going to help them. If it would fit into my schedule, I don't know if it does, but if yeah. it did. I would I would help them. I think it's in our community, at least in this country, we we like to see others succeed, you know, and and that's just kind of like, I mean, I like to see my friends succeed a lot, a lot now, and I try to keep I try to keep the ball rolling myself, but um, you know, whatever happens happens. It's just yeah. like I kind of take it with a grain of salt and just try to enjoy it. But I uh, I asked that question because uh, like. With so many years of experience, after so many hundred mile races, which is a very big, crazy effort, you are 53 years old. So I would love to hear from you. What what keeps you uh, feel that you want to show up? What drives you to still like I'm here? Uh, I'm still competitive. Mm -hmm. um, I I continue to go outside, show up. So, what keeps you showing up? What what drives you? I well, I think I don't think I know any better. <laughs> I think you know. I think it's just it's so ingrained in my in what I do. I'm always a mover. I'm always out um, doing something. You know, running has always come natural naturally to me. And I, you know, ask my wife, I get very grumpy when I don't, when I'm not able to run, you know, when I'm injured or, yeah, or for whatever reason, right? Um, I think it's good for my soul to get out and then run again. So I think the races, the races that I run, um, I, you know, I like toe on the line, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, obviously, I'm competitive, you know, I'm not elbow the other guy competitive. I'm nice to everybody else too, but I like that feeling of uh, being in a race and, and dropping someone, you know, and, and beating them. Uh, I'm never going to cross the finish line holding hands with someone. I've seen that a number of times. That's not my style. I might talk to them mentally and fool them and then outspin them the last 50 yards because I'm a competitor, right? But um, uh, what... I like being on the line. Like, do you, do you run or do you still run mostly for the competition or... I think so. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, continue question, but but I think yeah, I mean, I, I don't see myself um, 
you know, I've had an old friend of mine ask me one time, he said, do you think you'll still run ultras when you're not, you're not winning when you're kind of just, you know, middle of the pack, a little better middle of the pack. And I said, I said, the answer I told him was yes, I'll still run the ultras, but at the same time, um, you know, I mean, I winning never gets old, right? I mean, you like to win. <laughs> when, when the time comes when I know that I have no chance or something, um, I, I mean, I might still run them. I really don't know the answer to that. I okay. think I think it's still yet to be seen because I've still been able to click off a win here and there, and uh, and still get that feeling of that feeling of winning. And it's like I said, it never gets old. It's just one of those things that when you've done it so much over your life, um, you want to keep doing it like anything else. It's just, you know, I'm going to keep giving it what I got. I mean, when eventually, eventually, obviously I will, I think when I, when I'm done being a professional runner, I mean, there's a little bit on the outside that says, you know, if you're getting paid even a very small amount of money as a professional runner, Mm -hmm. you are sort of obligated to like to train hard and, and to, to do your work right and yeah. to go run a few races so there's that little bit of peace dynamic into it i'm not gonna lie to you you know um but when all these companies say carl you're too old and slow you're out of here um you know maybe that'll be the time when i stop actually running races but it's uh you know right now it's like i'm still i still enjoy trying to be competitive and trying not to get chicked classic u.s term of women beating the men um <laughs> that's just an old term that we used <laughs> it, it's, all in, it's all in good fun <laughs> if if i ask you like what what running means to you uh will your answer be uh competition or so i will ask you what running means to you well it will be competition i think competition is definitely a part of it because i'm a competitive person when i play golf with my buddies I'm competitive. When I play croquet, I'm competitive. When I play throw darts, I want to win, right? So yeah, comp- competition is definitely it's in my blood. Um, I'm not, you know, and when I lose, I don't, you know, whine or get upset. But um, it's definitely competition. Um, but it's also the well-being of knowing that, you know, I'm still. I like to be healthy. I don't like to be. I can't imagine myself sitting on my butt, not exercising to some degree every day because I just wouldn't. Because when I do finally go hiking after not doing anything for three months, I'm going to be dying out there, right? Yeah. So I don't. That's not me. I have to. I have to constantly push the envelope of like just staying healthy, and running is is an easy way for me to stay that way. Yeah. I mean, there aren't many sports out there you can do that are as good for your cardio as running can be. You know. True. True. Um, true. True. It's, it's tough. And how do you react? Because normally, uh, well. Many people, when when things go wrong, they like they think they might they may think that this will ruin everything. How do you react when things go wrong? And when I say when things go wrong, is that for example a training didn't well, or uh, you didn't win a race, or like you are not in a high moment in your race you are in a very low low dark moment how do you mm-hmm. react when things go wrong well this is it's a tough answer for all my clients because i just kind of laugh it off at this point maybe in my early part of my career i'd be a little more bummed if i didn't perform like i had expected to um, but i think now after doing this for a long time if i have a low point in a race um 
you know, I bonk or something like that. I just sort of laugh it off. I go, oh, here's the bonk, Carl. How are you going to get out of this one? And I sort of laugh at myself because it is part of the journey. You know, I mean, not it's very, very rare to see yourself run a perfect race. Of all the hundreds I've won, all those 43 times, five or six of those races were I really nailed it. You know, I really didn't have a bad patch. I didn't have a low point. Um, I didn't stub my toe or whatever. Um, I just, I do, I just kind of, at this point, I'm like, well, move on to the next one. You know, I last time, I, well, the last time I, I ran Hard Rock, I don't know what year it was, 20, maybe 2015 or something. But regardless of that, I dropped out, okay? I went to the race. I went to the, you know, I drove to Colorado and I went to the race. I had negative thoughts in my head before I even started the race. That's not a good sign. <laughs> um, the race didn't go so well. I ended up dropping out. And, you know, everyone said to me before it actually did drop out, you're going to regret this, you're going to regret it, you know, you can, can continue, just don't worry about it, move on. And I was just Mr. Grumpy, and I just said, I know I'm out. And then with the next day, sure, there was that little thing in my head that said, you know, I probably should have kept going because I had plenty of time. It was fighting a cutoff. Yeah. But, but when I drove home, I'm like, you know what, whatever. You know, I've had an article written, written about me in Trail Runner magazine years and years ago, and it was labeled the whatever man. <laughs> so, right, right. So, um, and a friend of mine wrote it. It was a great article. It was great. It was funny. And he called me the whatever man because I'm just like, well, whatever. You know, if I don't run well, then I'll try again next time. But that's you know? somehow, I really like that uh, because somehow that sums who you are because you are right. very simple. Um, and of course, not non overcomplicated person uh so in the end whatever it is what it is yeah. right yeah exactly it is what it is and you can't change the past you can only change change the future so you know another classic line that i've come up with over the years is like you know with failure comes greater success and i'm sure someone else has said that before but but it's very true because every time you fail at a race or or anything you do in life you probably learned something from it, you know? So when you when you fail at something, you say, well, what, how am I going to learn? What am I going to learn from that? You know, when I ran my first Wasatch 100 in 1996, I, uh, I, was, at, I was running along, and um, I was with the leader at mile 40 having no idea what I was doing, you know? I was running too fast. And then um, I bonked, I blew up, but I finished the race. You know, I mean, I the last I can't tell you the last 40 miles was such a death march, but I finished the race and I learned from it. So the next year I went back, I went out a little bit slower. I didn't go into the lead, you know, blah, blah, blah. I worked my way into second place, well off the front guy. I ended up coming in seventh because I had some issues later. It's just how... Learning from your mistakes is always the best way for me to, to do better. Um, and that's, you know, it's by saying whatever and just moving on. I love and that. And not worrying about the past is. I love that. Um, like uh, complimenting the, the question of, uh, and, and uh, actually uh, that you said that you are the whatever person. I love that. Going to, to your uh, last attempt to, to break the uh, Appalachian Trail, and since you are uh, uh, someone who listens to, to your body, um, during those 45 days, especially on 
bad, bad moments and congratulations on the movie because the movie is incredible yeah thanks um, what did your body was telling you during those 45 minutes uh, and I, I'm not talking here of course your focus was to break the record That's, that's, that, that was your main focus. And I'm sure Absolutely. that every time, every step uh, you, you take, it was like, I, I, I'm moving closer to break the record. But overall, what was your body telling you during those 45 uh, days? Well, when, in 2016, when I, the year that I did break the record, the way the movie was broken, when the movie was made, The first 18 days of, of that uh, journey, we'll call it, were perfect. Okay, I was where, where I was where I was supposed to be, you know, going down the trail. I felt generally pretty good. I mean, my shins were real sore. Well, they weren't real sore, but they were tight. It's kind of hard to explain, but that's part of the deal. When you do 50 miles a day, things are going to hurt. Um, but then on that 19th day, uh, I was in New Jersey. I believe I was in New Jersey, and I was – walking or jogging real you know nobody jogs fast on the at at that rate you're jogging slow um but you know one of we'll call it the, one of the guitar strings in my um my shins seemed to pop like all of a sudden it was like okay there's the there's the the whatever moment you know um but, but my focus when i did the at was to give it everything that i had and not give up and so i continued on the finish off that day and all i could do was try to get my shins to feel better which was a, which a major challenge. And then so from that point on until the next maybe 10 days or so, all the way through Pennsylvania, my shins were on fire. I mean, anytime I kicked a rock, I, you know, would, would wince in pain or I'd even yell out some insanities in pain. Um, but that was just, I kept telling myself, it's part of the deal. You've got to keep moving. You're not, you're not off record pace. Don't stop. Don't, you know, give it everything you got. And eventually, um, ironically, that you know, my shin sort of calmed down a little bit after a week or two, and I kept moving. But there were a lot of bad days out there. It wasn't, you know, yeah, I got the record. I didn't get it by very much. I think like nine hours. Um, it could have been a lot faster. Could have, should have, would have, didn't. <laughs> um, but that's just, you know, that that's like that with anybody's record. Any record is always made to be broken because it will get broken at to some point, at some day. Um, I, my goal was just to give it everything I had. And, you know, I had the support. I did, I did so much recon on the trail um, after 2014. Um, and thanks to Red Bull for that because they supported all of that. They, they basically had a blank check and said, go do what you need to do. And, you know, who gets to do that? You ask yourself that question, right? I would ask myself that question a lot. Like, you have a bad patch. You're like, all right, well, I'm, I'm just some guy who moved to Utah to be a ski bum. And now I'm on the Appalachian Trail with full support from a company like Red Bull that, you know, I mean, that's that's priceless. That fell yeah. into my lap. Yeah. It's priceless. So you have to tell yourself to be thankful for what you have. And, and uh, you know, the AT, I mean, it was – and I don't know if you've ever been on, on a trail like the no, AT no, before. No, no. Right. It's, it's very – I mean, you see the photos. You see the stuff like that. But it's ungodly technical all the time. You know, like there's no, there's no looking up at the, at the scenery. <laughs> um, you're looking at your feet the whole time. It's very hard and you really have to stay into it mentally. I just tried to do the best I could and, and give it everything I had. And, and, uh, I didn't really know I had the record until I got 
you know, I might be four or five days out. I'm like, I, if I blow it now, then I'm an idiot. But again, I had all the respect knowing that anything can happen. Yeah. I could, you know, my, my guitar spring and my shin could pop again or whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it's an incredible journey. So you got to be thankful of being able to do that kind of stuff. And I just think I've been very lucky, you know? Yeah. We are, um, we are reaching the, the, the end part of, of our conversation. I would love to ask you um, uh, one or two more questions. So, and, and the first one is, <clears throat> I, I listened or I read somewhere that when you were uh, a child and you, you kind of said already that. So when you were a child, you were uh, like the, the sofa for you was like something very secondary in, into your life so yeah. because you uh -huh. were always looking to do something you were always looking to uh, uh, like be outdoors uh, moving yourself mm -hmm. and what's what's happening uh, nowadays is uh, like the mindset of people is a little bit different so they are they prefer to to be more in a comfort zone uh, they don't want to risk They don't want to challenge themselves. Um, would you say that uh, ultra running might be the cure somehow for this uh, comfort zone uh, mindset? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, when I you know, when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have gadgets to play with, right? I mean, we had Atari. <laughs> um, you're too young to even know what that is, maybe. <laughs> But, I don't know like, what it is. Right. It's a video game, a little video game console that you had on your TV, okay? And okay. you play little games that were, like, as simple as possible, you know? Like, hit the dot going back and forth. That's how simple <laughs> it was, okay? When I was a kid, we didn't have our, our phones and our gadgets and our things to communicate with others. We, you know, mom rang the bell when you came to dinner at six o'clock. All the kids in the neighborhood, I lived in a neighborhood with, with a fair amount of kids, and we rode our bike into the woods. We went fishing. We went, you know, we did some things we weren't supposed to do. Uh, played baseball on the street. We did, we did stuff like that until, until it got dark, until we had to go inside when and our parents made us go to bed. You know, now, I, mean, I, don't, I don't have kids now, so I can't really say I, what kids do, but, but um, you know, there's more, it's more electronic driven, and everything is all... It's so easy to do. You want a pizza? Punch it on your phone. You want to go? You want to ride your bike in Italy? Well, get on your Peloton and look at the screen. You're riding in Italy. <laughs> you know, it's very. Everything is very controlled over the gadgets these days, and I'm. I don't really like that, but you know, you talk to anybody who's older than I am, they'll just be like, you know, they don't don't even know how to use their phone. I hardly know how to use my phone. <laughs> um, hardly know how to use my computer. You know, but. It was just different times. Um, I learned, I grew up playing in the woods, you know, moving rocks around with my dad, making rock walls and stuff like that. And and uh, I'm I'm glad that's what I did when I was young. But in your, but in your opinion, uh, what would you say to someone like, and the question is, why, uh, why should you prepare yourself to do an ultra running race? Not, to well, win but taking into account all the other benefits that another running race brings to people why well, people should 
uh, look forward to challenge themselves in a, even a 30 mile race or 32 right mile race. and so i've asked you know people i said why do you do that and i said we do it so we can talk about the stories later it's the battle like what's crazy about an ultra marathon the longer ones too and maybe the at too is like when you're out there in the moment when i'm walking on the trail or i'm in a hundred mile race or someone's in a race you you're battling you're not just some guy running by with someone says hey good job you're doing great there's all these other demons in your head that you're fighting whether it's aches and pains in your legs or or a cramp or whatever um when you finish the race it's the success that you get from finishing the accomplishment you know it's very when you accomplish something like that you can change your life people hike the at they just regular through hikers that it has changed a lot of people's lives because they're like wow i just spent you know six months in the woods by myself sure she met you meet other people but you're really on your own you're taking care of yourself you only have you're carrying only 20 pounds of something on your back and you satisfying and it can make you a better person in the long run because you know what it feels like to suffer and if you can get out of that suffering then you've you know you're one step ahead of the curve on that one for sure too many people stay away from that potential suffering and then when the, you know then when they i think when they get older in life they're like well what did i do in my life well i didn't really do anything i made a lot of money <laughs> What are you going to do with that? Lay on it in a bed, you know? I mean, I've never focused my life on that. I mean, sure, you've got to make some money, but but the bottom line is is that that's never been my focus. My focus has been to have fun, and and ultra running has has taught me a lot of ways to um, just not worry about others. Just kind of not they shouldn't worry about others, but but just um, how to take care of yourself, you know, and how to how to be um, self sufficient. Yeah. Ultra running can definitely teach you how to be self-sufficient. You know, on a, on a slightly different topic, you know, in the U.S. we have in most 100-mile races, there's a, a pacer or a guide runner, whatever you want to call it. In all other countries, they really don't have that. So the U.S. is very weird like that. I, I, I vote for the European model, <laughs> not having uh, the helpers. But but at the same time, um, you can still accomplish those goals with those other people too. It's it's the friendship, the community, uh you just learn from ultra running. You can learn a lot about yourself because you have a lot of time out there. What do you think about, right? Yeah, true. People ask me that question. What do you think about in the trail? I'm like, uh, I might think about, I don't know, the car that just drove by or you don't, you don't even know what you're thinking about, right? Yeah. You might think about what you're making for dinner or how it felt later or whatever. You don't know what you're thinking about, but you learn a lot about yourself on the trail when you're out there alone. Yeah. And I think that's very that can be rewarding for – anyone whether you're the fastest guy on the planet or the slowest guy on the planet it yeah. really doesn't matter um my favorite thing to do at a hundred mile or after the race is over is go take my you know my nap come back to the come back to the finish line and watch the last you know a few hours of the race where the slower people finish um that it's really inspiring i mean my wife was never a runner she's finished 300 milers now and wow. she'll still tell you she's not a runner but but the look on her face when she crossed that finish line is you know I mean it's priceless. Wow. It really is. It's pretty wow. special wow. to see the accomplishment, and that's what's cool about ultra running is too is that not every person that finishes that race looks like you know they're not six feet tall, 132 pounds, and you know zero percent body fat. We're all different people out there, and all walks of life can do it True. if you just put your mind to it. True, true, true. 
Hey, uh, Carl, one last question. I would love to hear from you on what we, what can we expect from you in the future, in the near future? Do you have any yeah, plans? Um, well, have... my plans, I, I sort of have plans. <laughs> I'm kind of riding the wave a little bit nowadays, but um, my next race, in terms of ra racing ultras, my next race is the Kettle Moraine 100, which is in Wisconsin. Um, it's kind of a, a rolly track. It's not super hard. It's a great old classic course in the U.S., um, my training has been kind of suspect all winter. I've had some minor injuries where I really haven't been able to train. I broke my toe in March, which wow. took me out for a month, which from March 26th to about probably April 26th, we'll say I hadn't run at all, not a step, played a lot of golf, <laughs> but I didn't run at all. Um, so I'm really not in very good shape, but I'm getting better now. I'm, I'm running again and things are going okay. So that's the first race. Um, I'm doing a PGA tour event just before that. I work on the PGA tour with, I do some of the uh, some of the data collecting for tour events where I measure the stint meter, which is how fast the ball rolls in the greens. Anyway, I do some of that stuff, and and then I'll, my next race after that will be I'll put on my speedgo 50k in July. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's once I get back from that 100 miler, that's kind of my five week focus on that. Okay. And then uh, and then the Superior 100, which is also it's in Minnesota along Lake Superior, a great course for me. It's real technical. It's rolling kind of rolling hills technical. Mm -hmm. But um, it's kind of my style at this point. Um, and then that race, that race will be over. And then I, I volunteer at Run Rabbit Run 100. Um, and then from there, I really don't know what I'm doing competitively. But I'll probably find something in the fall. Again, it's sort of in my blood. You know, I can't stop doing yeah, it. Yeah, you can't stop. You, you can't know, stop. every year is the same thing. And and for me, um, you know, I really like the 100 mile distance. We all, everyone kind of knows that. But I don't even see myself doing a 50 or a 50 K because it just isn't intriguing to me anymore. Uh -huh. um, who knows? I might venture into the 200 miler next year. Would it, uh, don't you see, yourself, we'll see, don't you see yourself doing those like uh, last man standing races? I don't know. See, I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not, I said that I'm not a fan of it. I think it's incredible what people have thrown down on those things. Actually. I mean, it's, I mean, nuts. Um, I've never done really well with sleep deprivation. Uh -huh, okay. okay. So, like, so I, I mean, I don't know what ha would happen if I did that event. I might just say after 20 hours, I'm going to bed, I'm out of here. Um, you know, and, and same with like the bar marathons, which is an incredible event. Um, it doesn't really fit my style of trying to find, see where I'm going, what trail the trail is or the markings. Okay. Um, but the last man standing thing is very popular. I mean, my, I have a number of clients that um, are doing one this year. Uh, they don't all have goals to win it and go 260 freaking miles. <laughs> it blows my mind how you know how your mind works and staying awake like that. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely a true strategy behind that, and I've often tried to give some of my clients a strategy for that. Do I know if that strategy will work perfectly? No, I don't because I haven't done it. But I can only think of my past experiences of what might work, um, and then you kind of roll with that. So. But that's sort of my, you know, my one-year plan. If you want to, you know, look at that. Um, but really, as I as I sort of get closer to the end of my career, what's my next move? What am I going to do next? Um, I kind of want to work for the PGA Tour. Oh wow! So yeah, wait. Well, just at events. I don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't want a full-time job. I don't want that. I want something that I can travel five or six events a year, go mow some grass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, right? It sounds kind of crazy, but I have this, I have this passion for um, finally manicured 
grass and I don't know. It's weird. Um, you you go all the way from the top of the mountains to those beautiful grass fields. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see it perfect, you know. I mean, I, and I'd and that's just it's just my vision, you know. When I build things, I like things to be straight, you know, and like level or whatever. Um, I just it's just my vision, and and I really enjoy doing it. So to me. When I go to this thing, this this event that I'm working, it's at Jack Nicholas's home course, Mirrorfield Village. So big, big, big event. Um, it's just an honor to be at a place like that in in my world, you know. Yeah. So if I can ride, if I can ride around on a whether it be a tractor or a or whatever it is, a mower or just do the data collecting that I've done, um, I like it, you know. So it doesn't feel Love like it. a job. Love I don't want to ever feel like I'm working. That's my whole goal is to never feel like I actually work. I tell people I'm retired now. I'm not <laughs> retired. I just like to feel like I'm retired. I love, I love, just like I said in the beginning, I really love the, how you play on total opposite sides of like very yeah. technical, rocky thing. And then, which is like one of your passions and totally on the other side, you have a passion for 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 golf and right. just like you're saying you are very you're you're very into it yeah, um right. and every I, shot's different you know sorry every every shot is different yeah truly no matter where you are everything totally. is different so that's what makes it so that's what i mean you know some people's are golf is so boring but if i watch golf on tv i'm i get it you know um it's just it's not boring to me and that's what makes it good you know totally. as long as i like it who cares what everyone else thinks my friend um, let's just uh, finish uh, uh, the same way we started. It was such an honor to have you uh, as one of our guests in the this uh, journey talk number three. Um, you are a legendary ultra runner, uh, like an inspiration from for many ultra runners uh, out there, uh, myself included. Um, I would love to obviously keep in touch. I will keep an eye on uh, on your future endeavors. Um, and we uh, normally, normally, of course, normally we have we open this this event, this conversation to other members, and we finish the way that we uh, would do if this was an in-person event. So, mm -hmm. taking into account this was an incredible event. Carl Melter, here's a big round of applause for you. <laughs> right <laughs> thank, on. Thank you so much for for your time, for accepting um, uh, our invite right away. Uh, again, thank you so much for your time. Let's keep in touch. Muito obrigado, just like we say in, in Portugal. I wish you all the success, not only for your coaching services, but also to your uh, running uh, challenges, but also your golf golf challenges. Send my regards to your wife. Inspiring to see that uh, she finished already uh, three 100 miles. That's amazing, hands down to, to her. Um, let's keep in touch. And again, thank you so much, Carl. Thank you. Yeah, it's always an honor to always an honor to be uh, you know recognized. It's really cool to still be in the sport. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. Keep up, keep up the the awesome work. Keep up for more. I would right say forty years. Let's go, Carl. 
<laughs> you got it. I'll I'll see what I can do. Um, yeah, <laughs> and let me know. Best. Let me know when you run the podcast too. Let me know when you run the thing, and I'll drive it out. Thank you. Uh, just keep doing your best. That's it. All right, Francisco. Thank cool. You. Thanks very much. Thank you, Carl. Ciao, ciao. Right. Bye. Yeah, have a good day. Thank you. Good you night. Too. Ciao. Bye. Ciao, ciao.